interview with Judge Green. Okay. Okay, first off, I just wanted to ask you about all the businesses and the businessmen that you can remember. Well, that would take a long time to cover those. <laughs> Starting at either north or south end of the business district. Uh, and over the period of year, they've changed uh, so that some buildings would have uh, maybe three or four different uh, people who owned them and operated businesses uh, that I'd cover. But if you start on the south end of Main Street, at the uh, south of Gracious Street, there where the uh, uh, business operated now by uh, Willard Keenest. That used to be uh, an oil station that was operated by Denzel Bunch and George Minnick. And uh, at one time, the south part of that was uh, what was called a cooperative store where the farmers owned it jointly and it was by the center of the business for the time, but that was back uh, in the early part of the century. And on the north of that, you come, of course, to McLaughlin's uh, furniture store, which is, uh, there is still a store and a uh, funeral home there. And upstairs above that was a union hall, which is no longer there, but that was where the miners and the other people uh, met for their union work. Uh, of course, uh, there were two or three, sometimes as many as four mines, coal mines operating in those early days, in the 20s and 30s. Uh, the number one and number two mine, and then there's Landis Mine out west of town, and the uh, Sheridan County Coal Mine is down uh, south of town, down uh, across from the uh, south of the golf course. But those uh, died out, uh, have not been very active uh, so long in, in the 30s at least. There are many railroad men that I can recall that would be too numerous to try to mention all of them. Uh, and the stories about it, I, one thing that was always in my mind at the time of the, of the big railroad strike back in the 20s when they had the uh, large number of shop employees and others in the roundhouse down across from the, what is now the Disney Park, and all of them trains uh, stopped here uh, and we'd have uh, maybe 15 passenger trains going each way each day. It's quite different than it is now, of course. People would go over to the uh, train station or depot at night. That was one of the favorite pastimes to, to meet the evening train at about 6 o'clock that went from Chicago to, to uh, Los Angeles. And, Without the airplane, airplane traffic that we have now, they, all the uh, movie stars traveled on the, the Santa Fe Railroad going from the east to Los Angeles and Hollywood. And uh, there were many of them that they'd get off the train and walk up and down the platform. And it was a, a, quite a bit of entertainment just to go over and see all that. Do you see any movie stars? Pardon? 
Do you see any movie stars? Oh, yeah, we saw a lot of them at that time, of that, of that age, you know, which was back in the, in the 20s and 30s before air travel started. Practically all of them that uh, were active at that time, I don't really remember their names too well now, without going back and, and, and reviewing it, but uh, they, were, they would all get off here. And there was one uh, boy, a Foley, Foley boy, his uh, brother Delmer Foley, who was, and his mother operated the orchard out here for a long time. This younger bro bro brother of his uh, uh, kept a autograph book, uh, and he'd get the names of all of them, and he probably had the names of 90% of the people who were in the movie industry at that time, getting them as he got off the train or meeting at the train here in Marshland. I don't know where he is anymore. But I'm sure that uh, he could be located if someone would be interested in seeing that. But it would be an interesting experience to see just all the names of the people that he uh, did get uh, to sign that book uh, while he was a kid meeting the, tra the trains. Second. I'm going to stop you for a second. Okay, so you can start off again on the businesses. Well, after the big railroad strike, uh, 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 at that time, they had to put a, a board fence around all of the yards down that I just mentioned across from the Disney Park. Uh, they had it all boarded up and guarded with guards to keep any damage from happening to their equipment or to the uh, railroad property. It was quite a thing at that time to have that kind of an operation here. So the, it hurt the town quite a lot. Never did recover, didn't recover for a long time, and the railroad after that quit taking coal from the mines, and uh, uh, it did quite a bit of damage to the businesses. <coughs> on down the street, they were going north on that west side of the street, because there was uh, there were other businesses that uh, maybe too numerous to mention, but along about the place where Payton's store is now, there was a, uh, at one time a confectionery that was operated by Reese's, which later moved and was known to practically every high school student that, that, that ever went through Marston High. It moved on down into the next block, but it was located in the place about where uh, Payton's store is now. Also, uh, uh, about next, next door to that was a, a, a hardware store operated by P.J. Duke, which is a, a, quite a well-known hardware store, pretty active. And there were many restaurants that changed uh, through the years. Uh, one that was operated by George Hazelrig on a little further down on that side of the street. Uh, and uh, then the Cater Drug Store and the Myers Clothing Store were on the corner of that first block north, which is down next to a house, just south of Howell Street. That building and the one north of it were buildings that had originally been built on uh, Santa Fe Street, where the Methodist Church is now. And uh, the, both of the buildings were just to torn down and moved uh, piece by piece to this new location down on the uh, North Kansas Avenue and uh, uh, Howell Street, uh, and they were two of the 
original buildings in Marceline and Santa Fe Street had been really planned, I think, by the uh, railroad company to be the main street of town. But after the businesses developed uh, along North Kansas Avenue, they just moved those two buildings uh, as they originally were, tore them down and moved them down to the uh, their location where they remain until they burned. The last one that burned uh, on the north northwest corner of that uh, those streets just burned in the last few years. It was owned by Willard Canis at the time. And there were the jewelry stores, Potts Jewelry. It was just north of along in there. And the Simpson, the Simpson Dry Goods store was in that area too. It's north of the Cater uh, buildings. And uh, that was a, a very prominent store for many years. And uh, B.J. Simpson and his daughter Thelma Simpson, Thelma Cruz, uh, lived in Marstein until her death just uh, not too many years ago, maybe 10 years ago. Uh, they, were, they were a prominent family. And then there was Steiner Clothing Store in, that, in the uh, Cater building. It was uh, one of the it and the Myers clothing, which is just, I mentioned, south of there, were two of the main clothing stores, or men's clothing stores in town. And then moving on north along there, there was a grocery store, which was uh, operated by Swenson's, Swenson family, and also a grocery store operated by the Waller family. They were both uh, prominent families. And then next to them on the corner was the Zercher building, which was operated as a jewelry store. Albert Zercher was the owner of that. He was, came from Switzerland, and uh, he was a Santa Fe watch inspector for many years, and everybody uh, regarded it as the official uh, place for the railroad to have their watches checked, which they had to do periodically keep their jobs. Uh, moving on down the street to the where the Masonic Temple is now, uh, it was formerly a, a, a store in there. That, uh, one of them was a ladies uh, hat store where they just sold hats. Another store in the back of the, had a meat market in that building. and. Uh, the grocery store next door north of that they operated by the Westfall family. They were in grocery business here for many years. And finally, the son operated the last grocery store that the family owned over on the Missouri Avenue, which has now been turned into apartments so on North Missouri Avenue, up close to uh, well, the place to speak there right now. But it's south of the highway that goes uh, east to uh, out of town by the reservoir, the reservoir uh, on the west side of the street. And uh, then uh, the, just shortly north of that was another hardware store operated by the uh, Parks family, W.D. Parks. He was a prominent man, very prominent on the school board. Family of uh, 
boys and girls that are rather prominent in their activities in the community. Uh, that, I believe, is about where the uh, uh, Oddfellow building is now, or just north of the Oddfellow building. And then uh, there were vac vacant lots in there, and on the corner was a Presbyterian church. That was the, on the corner from the north-west uh, corner of the Ripley, Ripley Park there's a Presbyterian church on that built, that uh, property. It was not very active, however. Small church. And then on the north of that were the Wolf Briggs uh, or Cup uh, or there's the Briggs Cup for company and now there's a, there's a company store run by the, uh, uh, the people who uh, first farmed the town, or settled and divided the town and platted it, Santa Fe Land, uh, Land Company. Uh, uh, the, the company store was really operated by, for the miners, who the miners would trade there, and, and it was a big store, sold dry goods, everything. But it was operated as a company store for the uh, for the miners, chiefly, although everybody else traded there too. And on the north end of that building, that that half block, was uh, used to be a, a famous place that was known as Gardner's Hall, where they had all the wild dances. <laughs> it, it was uh, quite a place. Anybody that. Uh, had the experience of going there, would remember it. It finally uh, had to be condemned because it couldn't support the crowds that were dancing on the second floor. And then, of course, comes the Methodist Church north of that on the corner. And uh, it was built on the ground on the lot from which the cater buildings were moved. They moved south. Uh, it was built on that uh, on that. Uh, on that corner, the church was. And for a good many years, the, the ground around it between the walls of the church and the sidewalk was uh, just uh, unfilled, it was just open open ground, open hall. They had to walk, walk across a little bridge to get over to the door to go into the, uh, the south rooms, to the Sunday school rooms in the south door of the church. Those were all filled up later, of course. Uh, to the to the west on the Santa Fe Street, and just west of where the Cater Buildings was, uh, there was a, a church that was uh, that operated the South Methodist, the South Methodist Church. And at the time, that time also the North, the Methodist Church, the North Methodist Church, was located down on uh, Lake Street, just uh, about uh, almost midway of the block, and not quite from Kansas Avenue West on Lake Street. It was the, what they call the North Methodist Church. And those two united, and at the time they built their new church up on Kansas Avenue and, and Santa Fe. Well, across on the east side then, coming back down, there was uh, several places that, if you remember, it was one of them was the 
Herbert livery stable where they rented horses and buggies and took care of horses right across from where the Methodist Church is now and on, the, on an alley that we went through there east and west. Uh, uh, then there were other stores, of course, along that block uh, besides the uh, uh, livery stable, but uh, they were used for different things. There were grocery stores at different times and second-hand stores. It's changed some business quite a bit in, the, in that block outside of the livery stable until it was finally abandoned because people got to using cars but didn't, didn't, didn't have horses. Uh, like they did, but at that time they would rent, uh, they were operating there, they would uh, rent a, a horse and buggy just like they rent a car now, and people would drive to Brookfield or someplace to shop and, uh, uh, or for the night by renting a horse and buggy from the, the livery stable. It was coming on down the Ripley Park, and the next block down the south of Ripley Park was uh, uh, at one time, the, the post office was in that corner building uh, on Ripley Park. It was the Allen Hotel building, but the, the post office was It had been previously across the street in uh, where the Masonic building is now. I didn't mention that a moment ago. I mentioned a lot of other buildings in there, but the post office was across on that corner at one time. And then it moved across over to the, uh, eventually to the uh, place across uh, south of the park that was in the uh, Allen Hotel. Uh, then the uh, other part of the Allen Hotel was occupied by the Murray's department store, which is a, a very prominent store and still is, operated by the Murray family for since all, about from the beginning of the uh, founding of the town, when they moved up from Mississippi here and Mr. Murray opened the store. Uh, and, uh, on south of that, one time there was a, there was a bank I think in the uh, where the city hall is now that, that was originally built as a bank the Marceline Trust Company I believe was the name of it and it operated there for a good, a good many years but finally closed uh, during the uh, depression years when the, there were a lot of bank failures. But the city hall has remodeled it. But the, the, the front of it is just the same, still the same as it was when the bank built it, I think. And <coughs> on south of that were, were various stores that uh, were. The Hayden's Meat Market probably was the one that was the most uh, substantial and lasted the longest. It was there since. Uh, back in the early days of the town, operated by Ed Hayden, who, whose daughter just passed away here two or three years ago, Elmo Buckswife, uh, and they operated the meat market in there, and it was one of the better markets in the, in the community. It was very, very active, and it's a fine store. And uh, there were uh, other stores along that block that you got to the bank. Of course, they Torn most of those down now and built the uh, theater in uh, one section. Uh, and tore down all, they were all just two story buildings with uh, stores below and uh, the apartments or flats above. Um, and the, the bank, of course, has uh, uh, taken over where they had just one lot on the corner. They've taken over the two lots 
the other lots had been formerly occupied by the T.M. Ludden Insurance Company, which is an old-time company there, an old family, but I don't know of anybody of that family that's living here now. And then across on the south side of that Powell Street, across from the Marshalline State Bank, which was known as at that time, is the, was the First National Bank, operated by the Lancaster family. There was a number of boys in that family. Uh, of course, any of these families you could talk about for uh, quite a while, telling what each one of them did and uh, the activities that they engaged in. And the Lancasters had uh, uh, several boys. One of them was a pretty good baseball player that was pretty well known. He was, uh, they were just uh, interesting people in, in all of those uh, old-time families. And next to the bank then would be one of the old drug stores that was operated by W.V. Drennan. It was a, he was a, a pharmacist and had operated, operated the drug store there for many, many years. That, that's in the, in the place now where I believe the uh, shoe shop uh, or uh, well, it's, it's one of the cells, sure, like at McCann's, is that? that the, oh, McCann's? Uh, McCann's, I believe that's it, yes. Uh, then there were different uh, stores operating on down the block that we'd come about to the alley. We'd go east and west there. And on the north side of that was a, a big grocery store operated by Hire, J.T. Hire. And that was one of the uh, uh, landmarks uh, of the town too, the Hire family. They were they were very active and numerous. Had some fine daughters and sons that uh, were well known and active in the community. Uh, prior to or to the to the Hire family, I won't eat. They were operated as a uh, the building had a was a uh, department store operated by some a man named Loeb, L O E B. Not many people remember him, but the that family or that uh, store now, but it was an interesting, those were the days of boardwalks where they had boardwalks there and you uh, uh, drove up by the, the boardwalk and with the heart team and wagon and the, the walks were just high enough to load the, the things out into the wagon or to step out into the wagon from the sidewalk. But it was an interesting store with a skylight and uh, the balcony and it was quite an interesting store. On, on south down across the alley from that was uh, the first time I, as I remember it, the first store there across the alley south that there was a saloon in that building and uh, I don't know, it went out of business with prohibition of course. Above it was a, a, a dentist office by, by Dr. Jones. On further down the block, there were different kinds of restaurants and other little shops and stores in there. So down on the corner, then was has always been. It always was a that I remember something of a second-hand store or a, a, a hardware store that was uh, generally operated by a, an old fellow named Embry, uh, and uh, he had moved up 
the Marshalline from Salisbury and operated this hardware store and second-hand store there. That would be on the northeast corner of Gracia Street and North Kansas, South Kansas Avenue. It later then was sold to Davis, John Davis, who also operated, a, after Embry died, operated a second-hand store and hardware store there for many years. And then, of course, on the south of that was uh, on the corner, uh, would be on the south to east corner of Gracious Street, and uh, Kansas would be the where uh, Couch Motor Company, Wayne Couch had a garage there where he sold Oldsmobiles and a service station. <coughs> Out to the uh, east of uh, that on the Gracious Street toward the overhead bridge, the main building there was a uh, was another livery stable. Uh, that was a uh, I don't know what is in that building now, but it was a, a big building. That, uh, that that was another another livery stable that operated out on that street on the south side of the Gracious Street and across the. Uh, on the north side of that, which is which would be now be owned by the uh, uh, rest home. What is the name of that rest home? Right here, yeah. No, the rest home over here on on the house street across. Um, well, well, it, it uh, it's where the hospital used to be in a way that was on the south end of that. At that time, there was a big uh, Eagles Lodge built a big place in there. It was a fine building, a lodge, Eagles Lodge building, and it was a, quite a, a nice building. And uh, between that building and the railroad tracks, there was a large house that had been moved that had been moved uh, from the Cater lot, which is now on the, the Cater lot uh, on South uh, Main and. Lake Street, uh, where the, uh, I believe, uh, Mr. Smith and Smith Motors owned it now. Uh, this, this large uh, three-story house had been on that lot before they built the brick, before Dr. Cater built the brick uh, uh, building house. Uh, uh, the three-story house was moved from there over to the uh, place on Gracia Street, right next to the overhead bridge on the north side. Well, that was there for many years, but it finally decayed or burned down. <coughs> well, that that uh, primarily, let's stop there a moment and talk about what it's going to do next. <laughs> you know, turn, turn, turn it off a little bit. Reference to the schools, the first schools that I recall, and the one I attended in the second grade was over on the was called the uh, Park School, which is now where the uh, grocery store is on the the West uh, Ritchie, I believe, and uh, it's the first block uh, west of. Uh, the Main Street or Kansas Avenue, uh, Ritchie Street, and I can't think of the name of this first street that runs north there, Poplar or, might, 
the, just the first street west of, the, of Kansas Avenue, and that was the Park School, uh, the grade school. For the, that was for the west side of town. The east side of the town had a, a school, uh, the old school over where the high school building now is. And that, that was the, uh, the school for the people on the east side of the tracks. Uh, they just divide that way for convenience, I think, for people go, going to this, to this, getting to the schools. And the high school was over in that area too, at the same on the same place. But then they built a new high school building, which is down uh, just uh, up the north side of the football field, which was torn down here a few years ago, and they did some new built some new structures in there. And that was a not a very big building, however, but it was big enough to take care of the, the student population at that time. Because they really thought it was a real nice building at the time. Uh, that, that, that's what the, constituted the school system outside of the fact that they had uh, a, a Negro school uh, that uh, the uh, black folks went to that was segregated at that time and they had a school that was uh, located I believe out on East uh, Howell Street uh, along in that area there was a, there was a school uh, there that the church and well, that was the church and then they also had a school the Eagle School down on the, the southwest part of town uh, I don't know uh, I believe that was on the first, just one block west of uh, Kansas Avenue, and uh, just about where there's, there was a second-hand store, or antique store in it here at one time, not too long ago. I really thought more time to think about it. I couldn't tell you exactly who has it now or what they're doing with it to identify it in any way. <coughs> Can you remember any of your teachers? Teachers? Oh, I, I remember them back at that time, but that, uh, and nobody else would, I'm sure. I know at the time I was going to school over in the park school, there was a principal there named F.E. Bridwell. F.E. Bridwell, B-R-I-D-W-E-L-L, -L, I think. He was a rather tall, slender, severe, and rather severe man. He, he's the one that administered the whippings and the paddlings to the kids who were disobeyed, and they did that frequently at that time. They, they had the punishment of that nature that they'd send them to the principal office for paddling. <laughs> uh, the teacher that I had in the second grade was named Barnett, Miss Barnett. Uh, and uh, I don't have any real experiences in that except that we, of course, sliding down hills there and the, the hill off the back and the, and the ice and things of that kind. A lot of, a lot of things to remember, but they're not very interesting to anybody else in that regard. Uh, and the uh, other teachers, I, I don't know, there was a, there was a teacher here that was pretty well known to everybody at that time. Was, uh, taught English in the high school. She was quite a character, uh, Matt Smith. And she was a rather severe teacher, but a very good, good teacher, disciplinarian. And she was a, hadn't been married, but she was a, a fine, fine person. But uh, she 
left the school, retired about the time that I got into it. I only went to her one year, I think. And they had Miss Wilson came in to teach in her place. She was from Rothville, Hazel Wilson. She was also a rather severe teacher, that matter. And uh, Mr. Meredith was the, was the principal. Uh, I, uh, it's not hardly fair to mention just a few of them because there were, there were many others. Uh, there was, uh, Mr. Perrin was, uh, J.L.T. Perrin was a, one of the teachers that uh, I think taught manual training and some other things there. He was a fine teacher. Mr. Roseberry, who was a taught shorthand in commercial work. Then there was uh, Miss Dalton, who was sister of Governor Dalton. She taught there for a while while I was there. And uh, they, they were all interesting people for me to think about, but uh, be for so many. So few people that would remember them or know about them, I don't see how it could be of interest to anybody else, <laughs> unless they were that vintage. On the recreational facilities that you have here to uh, talk about, of course we uh, had one of the main things was the Santa Fe Country Club. And that was quite a center of recreation at that time. It had many dances and activities there, field days that were, were big crowds. They, they, that was quite a center of, of activity. There were also a lot more circuses and Chautauquas and things of that kind that came to town. I remember the Chautauqua tent being uh, placed down on the school ground with the park school. You know, the, the ground sloped there enough from the corner of uh, Ritchie Street and uh, the street down that they made sort of an amphitheater and it made a very fine place for a tent for Chautauquas and other type shows. And we had some good programs in that. It was one of the activities. And the circuses, they would uh, come in and by train and unload down in the yards and it was quite an event to have them all march up the street, the elephants and everything for the, for the parades for the circuses. And the 4th of July was, of course, always had been a, a great event for marshalling. Uh, you'd have 10, 12,000 people here easily every 4th of July. A car would be parked out all the way up there, here to, on, on the main street up for 10 blocks north or east and west all over. It was a big, as big a crowd as you could get into town. That would be all you could say about it. 4th of July was a big event. Of course, in those days, they had uh, uh, public speakings and uh, always had a, a prominent national speaker of some kind. And if there was an election year, they'd have the candidates for governor and senators and sometimes national office speak on the 4th of July uh, programs because they had big crowds. A little bit difficult for everybody because there were no uh, uh, speaker systems then. They just had this talk loud enough for everybody to hear them and with the firecrackers going off and all, all that is a little bit uh, of a trial for the speaker to make himself heard but then uh, they were we always had big crowds big fireworks display so marceline is always noted for that in fact i not only in the last few years i met a fellow that lived up uh, 
oh, 15, 20 miles north, up in the north part of Lynn County, and he said that's one thing he regretted was seeing Marceline uh, at that time was not having the big Fourth of July celebrations. As long as he could remember, uh, they'd come here since he was old enough to remember to driven down here for the Fourth of July. So that was a big event. And another thing on special events, uh, the Tri-County Fair was a big thing. We had a tri the Tri-County Fair here for a while, uh, which is a, had displays of all agricultural products and different activities like that in the park, just like any fair would have. It was generally held in the around Ripley Square. But before the, every year they would have the booster trips that would go from all over this part of the country. They'd start out for a day and go up north through the New Boston and up in the north part and around Swing Buckland and all that area. Another day they'd go out to the southwest, out to uh, Wayne and all of the territories out that direction. And other times to Keatsville and over to Sumner and Brookfield and McLeade. So they'd spend the day and have a caravan of maybe 40 or 50 cars that would go out and have a, have a day visiting in each one of those towns to advertise the Tri-County Fair. Uh, those were special events that uh, are worth remembering. I don't remember, you ask here about any Walt Disney stories, I don't remember too many of those, although I, I was in school at the same time he was here, I was in, when I was in the first and second, second grades, he was up about fourth or fifth, so I don't remember him personally at all, although I was in, in school at the same time he was. But uh, I don't remember any particular stories about him at that time. What I know about him, uh, just what I read and heard since then, and what you see in the uh, the papers and stories about him and about his drawing. However, the, you always hear him mention about him uh, uh, the little doctor uh, having experience with the doctor uh, who, uh, I can't think of the doctor's name now, he drew the picture of the doctor's horse uh, and uh, the doctor thought it was good and encouraged him. Dr. Sherwood, that was the name. Dr. Sherwood, at that time, I guess, lived up in the north part of town, close to where the Disney family lived, which, of course, you know, where the Disney family did live at that time is where uh, Wally Mallins has a place now, as it improved it. But uh, uh, Dr. Sherwood evidently lived up there at that time, although I don't remember that. I do remember that he had, Dr. Sherwood lived originally and had some houses out south of town, close to where I lived on the farm, it was down uh, here across south of the golf course, uh, at the railroad crossing, first railroad crossing south of the road that goes uh, south past the west side of the golf course, called the Taylor Crossing. And at that time, there were several houses around there on the south side of the track, and on the west side of the road, there were I believe three houses, and one of them was the Dr. Sherwood house. That's where Dr. Sherwood first uh, came when he started or moved to, to the Marceline area. At that time, there was some thought that that crossing was developed into one of the main parts of town. There were also houses at that time on the north side 
uh, that uh, railroad crossing on the east side of the road at uh, to, to a couple of houses, small houses in there. So there were probably three to five, about five houses around that corner because it was thought that it might develop into something. Do you remember any other doctors or lawyers? Oh there yes, there were doctors. On the doctors there were, the doctors I remember were Dr. Thompson, who had an office on the on Main Street, which would be down just south of where the Cater Building was on Howell and uh, and Main Street. He, Dr. Thompson had an office up there. There was Dr. Ellis uh, and Dr. Patrick. Of course, Dr. Platman built the. Uh, he was quite a prominent physician and surgeon. He, he one built the, the hospital where the, the, the rest home is now on the east uh, uh, Howell Street, on the south side. There, he built the hospital there. He was quite prominent. And there was a Dr. Uh, Scott here at that time, earlier. Uh, uh, Dr. Ellison's office was over in the building where the Drennan Drugstore was, which is uh, the first second store south of the Howell Street on the east side, which is, I think I mentioned there had to go to McCann, or the shoe store there, in that place. That was Dr. Ellis's office, and he and Dr. and Drennan operating the drugstore, and Dr. Ellis had his office in there. Uh, then there was also Dr. Cater, Roy Cater, who uh, owned the place that I mentioned there before, down on the Lake Street and uh, in Kansas, at where Mr. Smith owns now. But he uh, he was the mayor, and his office was in the drugstore, the Cater Drugstore, which is uh, uh, about where the, well, it's right, right south of the building, and the Savings and Loan Association, that, in that building. And that was the drugstore at that time, and where he, where he had his office in there. And uh, I don't think of any other. Uh, Dr. Perrin. There was a Dr. Perrin here who was a general practitioner, a fine old gentleman, and a fine doctor. And as I mentioned, Dr. Patrick. No, those were Dr. But Dr. Cater was. Uh, more active maybe in civic affairs, served as mayor for a good many years, and was quite prominent in that. Can you remember any lawyers here? Oh yes, the lawyers, there were <coughs> some of them that I, that I don't remember. It moved away before I was old enough to remember it. I think there's J.C. Crawley and some of the names that way that I could I'd have to look back up for you on to tell you who they were, but at the time I came back here to practice and start in the law practice, there were several that I could mention that the, one of the, the older ones and more prominent ones was, of course, Clarence Kendrick. Uh, he was a, a kind of a pompous old lawyer, a fine fellow, but then he was, <laughs> had a lot of, he was an interesting character. Uh, never gained an awful lot of prominence as a lawyer, but all the videos that he was a good, good lawyer and capable. And actually, he is the. Uh, uh, see the. He, he was married to. 
was Don Wall, this, Don, this person, Don Walter's grandmother. That was the, the story. And, and he, he lived in the house where Don Walter now lives. He owned that house down on the West uh, Santa Fe Street. And uh, that was the, the Kendrick property at that time. And his office was across the, uh, on the, the west side of the Candace Avenue and about the middle of the block, uh, the, the first block north of Howell. His office was up in that building. Then there was a lawyer named Owen, Lon R. Owen, who was a, sort of a, a flamboyant lawyer. He was quite a, quite a character, too, in the way he dressed, uh, always with a light suit and a big uh, large Fauntleroy tie and a silk handkerchief out of his pocket and uh, a flower in his buttonhole, whatever <laughs> summer. <laughs> it was quite a flamboyant character. And others lawyers that were here were, we had a Senator White, B.L. White, who was uh, uh, not not too active here. He, he, he got a federal job or something working for the, the federal agencies in St. Louis and spent most of his time down there until after he left that job and came back to practice here. But uh, then there was uh, Harry West. Uh, who, who was uh, who married uh, Senator White's daughter, Ruth West, and they lived in Brookfield, but he had an office here at, the, at that time. There were two others that I remember. Uh, Harold Mason started practicing, but he, he didn't stay very long. He got a job in Washington, D.C. and left to go there. And Senator Dale, Delmer Dale, always called him Postdale, uh, he was a more of a a railroad lawyer, a union lawyer, and a senate, a politician. He represented the unions as a legal representative and uh, uh, also was an elected senator for this district. And, uh, I, I don't know that I've left out any other lawyers there or not. I, I don't think of any right now that I, that I remember myself. There were uh, and the doctors, they were dentists, of course, Dr. Bond and the Dr. Niedermimmer. A lot of people remember Dr. Niedermimmer, O.J. Niedermimmer. Their offices, I think, were both upstairs over the Cater building, on the, the, that is the one on the north side of Howell Street. Uh, and uh, they were two, two prominent dentists, besides Dr. Jones, who uh, uh, I mentioned before, had operated over on the east side here in the first block uh, south of Howell Street. Now, is there anything else that you... Um, any rumors or superstitions that have been? Oh, all that. <laughs> superstitions. <laughs> oh, there are a lot of rumors, of course, but then I, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't undertake to cover those, that's for sure. Uh, the superstitions, I don't know of any of those either. Like the lady wife well, around I, I don't remember. I, I have heard those things, but the, they were not very prominent rumors. Uh, that, uh,